Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. We were just ranting before we got on here. Um, and interestingly, the rant dovetails right into the topic of today, which is lifetime value. But Aaron was ranting about a client, we won't, we won't name names, that just couldn't wrap their head around how great their numbers are, which lead to lifetime value, which is our topic of today. And it's a great one today because if you can make this tweak in your business, this, first of all, the understanding of lifetime value and how to increase lifetime value, it becomes a really fun economic game to grow the business and scale the business. And we're going to have that conversation today. So welcome, everybody. Aaron, how are you, my friend? Well, I've got a new camera and a new mic. And all of a sudden, you're you're happy. You're in happy land. So I'm curious for to know. 42 what episodes, our- I've been ranting about your damn camera. For those of you watching live, right? Aaron's <laughs> yeah. decided he's you know been too busy to step up his game for our show. But uh, you look great. The, the clarity is amazing. You know, I'm a stickler for audio and video. You know that, right? But you look great. You sound good. You're in all new gear. So welcome to the welcome to the big leagues. I'm I'm, I'm all grown up. You're all you've you've matured up. into a a a a video and and, and production guru. So welcome to the, you know. Yeah, episode forty-two here. So good, good. good I don't stuff. know, man. It seems like one really long conversation, and and we keep getting more and more subscribers. So clearly, people think we have. Yeah, something. you know, on that note, I don't want to sit here and brag. I want to get into talking about you and your business. But um, got a message from a podcast production company. I forgot, even forgot to tell you this in the UK the other day, and they were like, "Hey guys, just want to reach out. We monitor all the shows in the UK. You guys are in the the top fifty of all business-related marketing, sales, entrepreneurship-related shows in the UK. Wow. That was really good. It was really cool to hear because we have a lot of, I mean, we we, we can kind of, when we look at our analytics of the show, we can take a peek at where the subscribers are because obviously the podcast is is the biggest subscriber base, right? With Apple and Google and Stitcher and all the different platforms today. This is obviously a podcast also. Um, I think you know that if you're listening, right? So it was nice to hear that. It's, it's tough to crack those numbers because there's so many options today. But here's the thing from a business standpoint, consistency always wins. So what I see with a lot of podcasts and a lot of shows is they come out of the gates on fire and they put on a great show, but they don't stay with it because they run out of content and they run out of enthusiasm for their content. And that's a very, we talked about it last week, right? When we talked about publishing, you have yeah. to be ready to play the long game when it comes to publishing. And we're doing it every Friday, whether we like it or not, because that's how we're wired. And it's a lesson for you if you have a show and you want to do a show. Just be prepared to play the long game. Well, and I think when you talk about enthusiasm and consistency, whether we were drinking beer on the beach right now or sitting here on this camera, we would be talking about exactly the same things. So we're so never going to have- not, why not get it captured and syndicated, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, that's that was the, the. I mean, you stopped me because I was having a meltdown five minutes before this call, and you're like, "Stop! Just stop! Let's talk about it on the show." Save that energy and that enthusiasm for the lifetime value conversation in approximately two minutes. I stopped him in his tracks, so I'll let you resume your rant. But I, I want you to set the stage today because you, in my opinion, are the master at this. Because you know, for those of you that know Aaron and I, I'm more of the funnel guy, and he's the traffic guy. So he's really the numbers guy, and I'm really the process guy. 
right? So everything we ever do together, running our company, working with clients in the past, working with clients presently, we divide and conquer like that. So lifetime mm -hmm. value is a big time, big boy, big girl numbers conversation. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you set the stage for how we want to frame it today. Yeah. It, it as a digital marketer, as a, as I mean, I wouldn't even say as a digital marketer, as a marketer period, as a business owner, you know, you have to know your numbers, right? And we've had so many people that we've consulted with where when we start talking about these things, they, they, they legitimately say, I'm learning a new language. I'm learning a new language that I was not exposed to. And I don't fault anybody for not understanding the language, but once you understand the language, I do fault you for not monitoring it, right? Because business for the most part comes down to two things. It comes down to math and experience, right? What is the math and how do your customers feel about you? If you can, if, if you can know those two things inside and out, you can dominate almost any marketplace, right? I, and I, I love those two, I wanna say it again. The sure. math and the experience. If you, can, if you understand your math, and you understand the experience. Is that what you said, right? The math and the mm -hmm. experience or the math and the way the customer feels about you. I wanted you to say that again. Yeah, it, it because it, you can't make decisions in your marketing, in your expansion, in any of those things if you don't know your math inside and out. If you don't know your math inside and out and you do it willy-nilly, you're going to blow yourself up, mm -hmm. right? And if you go crazy just because you think your math is good but your customer experience is poor, mm -hmm. right, then – you're, you're going to have this battle of where you're constantly churning customers, right? It's one in, one out, one in, one out, and you can never grow, right? And eventually what's going to happen is you're going to saturate the entire marketplace because you think, oh, my math is good. My math is good. I'll just keep scaling, scaling, scaling. But nobody comes back and buys anything else. Nobody stays on. Nobody, nobody loves you and what you do. And then you run through your entire potential customer base. And then all of a sudden nobody's buying anymore. And those numbers on the front end go sky high through the roof. Cause you got nobody left to market to because mm. you burned them all up with bad customer experience. Right? So you got to know your math and you got to know your customer experience. And people say, well, how would I know my customer experience? Come on, man. Shake your head. Talk to come some on, man. Hey, do you remember ESPN when they used to do that? Come right? on, man. Do you remember that by the way? It's lazy, right? It's lazy. Come on, man. Come on, man. That was great. Right? They had a whole survey, on that. survey on, your man. customers, get them to rank you, you know, Make some phone calls. Interact, engage, find out, learn, dig. Right? What 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 do you like about us? What could we improve? What could we do better? What do you, you not know? like? Look, you know, don't be afraid to ask. You have to ask right? because it's the greatest feedback loop on the planet, right? Sure, it's people sure. who've already bought your stuff, right? Yeah. But the point of today is we wanted to talk about lifetime value. So what is lifetime value? Mm -hmm. Lifetime value is the average total amount of money that any customer spends with you in your business. Okay. So I'm going to start with a really amazing example that everybody's going to be like, okay. Most people in the civilized world are familiar with Starbucks. Yeah. Right? You mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. This is great. So they just put a, it was an article or report. I don't know what I saw the other day that said, the average lifetime value of one Starbucks customer is what? Do you remember what the answer was, Andrew? I remember, but I'm going to have you. Okay. So in my mind, I was like, okay, we're talking about $3 coffees. I started doing some math. I was like, okay, two bucks, like maybe two a week, right? That's six bucks times four a month, 24 bucks, right? Times 12 months, right? 
We're 24 times 12, we'll call it 300 bucks. Yep. Maybe a company's been around 20, 20 plus years, right? I was like, I don't know, maybe four or 5K? I think I said 10K when you asked me the first time. Yeah, I was like four or five, maybe. Well, I think that would be impressive, Yep. right? Yep. It was $34,000. Okay, first off, important number one, they know the answer. Mm. Okay, if you don't know the answer, pay attention. Okay, go look at the total amount of independent customers that you've had, take your gross revenue for however long you've been in business and divide the gross revenue by the total amount of customers. That's your lifetime value. Okay, if the only thing you do today is get that, if you don't already have it, congratulations, welcome to the real world. That's a big win. Okay, so now you know what your lifetime value is. And we're gonna talk about how to increase the lifetime value. And if you start to put these things in place, you'll see that number start to creep up. But you can't start these things until you know what that number is. And if you don't know what that number is, shame on you as a business owner. I learned from you don't Dan, know what's going I on. I learned from Dan Kennedy 10 years ago, Aaron. He said, businesses that have the most knowns, K-N-O-W-N-S, the most knowns, are the businesses that win. The businesses have the least amount of knowns, right? Lose and lose fast. They Correct. Know their numbers, they know how customers feel, they know their back end, they know their front end, they know their operation. Knowns, knowns, knowns. This is exactly what you're saying right here. From right, the numbers standpoint is how many known numbers do you have that will dictate where you stand at this point. The more knowns you have, probably the further along you are. Right, because right? you're gonna know the first part, which is the math, Yeah. right? Then you can improve the math with the customer experience. Right. Right? So we have a joint client that they're a software, right? And when we started with them a year ago, the very first things that I looked at were the core variables, right? It was what's their cost per acquisition? What's their lifetime value? What's their average order value? You know, these different elements that you need to know in order to be able to run the business. And when we started with them, the, the, the lifetime value was $47, right? And then we started to put all of these things we're gonna talk about in place today. And as of today, it's 143.72. Triple. Right, why is that important? Because that same client two weeks ago said, can we double the amount of our media budget and still not blow ourselves to pieces. And I said, hold on, let me look. Oh, wow, your cost per acquisition is $40 and your lifetime value is 143. And we subtracted what their sales, you know, commissions costs were and their operating costs and got all the way down to their basic profitability. And we said, as long as we keep the cost per acquisition here, when we double, you're still profitable not including the valuation of what you'll sell this business for in the future. So yes, you are allowed to. But if you don't know those numbers, then you're, it's a shot in the dark. You're guessing. Yeah. Right. And you know where you're going to find your answer in your bank account. Right. So you, you have to know these numbers. And the rant that I was going off about earlier before we got on this call was that one of the key variables that we monitor is return on ad spend. Right. So for every dollar I spend on ads. R-O-A-S. 
ROAS, ROAS, return ROAS. on ad spend. For every dollar I spend on ads, what is my average return on that dollar, right? Now, in order to know that, you have to know what the lifetime value is, right? And we were just working with a client where they had a seven to one return on their ad spend, which this is, is the one you were ranting about, right? Yeah, okay. and, and that is absolutely. You may continue your rant now, by the way. Is <laughs> okay. absolutely amazing. Yeah. See, here's the other problem with not knowing this language is you don't know when you're doing well and you don't know when you're doing poorly, right? When you have a seven to one return on your money, the only question you should be asking is, what is the maximum amount that I can spend today and still get that return? That is your only question, right? Because if I'm putting in a dollar and I'm getting seven, that's a 700% return, okay? If you're in the stock market and you're getting a 10% return, everybody's ecstatic. If you're getting a 700% return daily, the only question should be, what is the maximum amount of money that I can spend? Here's all the chips in the middle. Yet this client couldn't get over the cost to acquire a new customer. So really bad thinking. Right. Just, just not understanding the math, right? If it costs you $10 to acquire a customer or $10,000 to acquire a customer. It's the same math. You're at seven to one. And you're getting a seven to one return on money. It's still the same answer. How much money can I spend today? Can I spend a million dollars a day? If so, do so immediately right now, right? But it's not just about understanding the terms. It's about how, understanding how they connect together, right? right? To make accurate business decisions, right? So I was losing my mind because I was like, it's frustrating. It's frustrating education. because we get so hung up on the front end, right? As business owners, right. that we get hung up on cost, mm -hmm. right? It's easy to get hung up on cost and not think investment. It's easy to get hung up on cost and not realize that it's not all about the front end. It's also about the back end, which we're going to talk about. Right? right. And that sometimes is a, is a, is a, a sticking point for a lot of business owners is they can't seem to add on additional complementary products and services quick enough or strategically enough. I think that's where you're headed here. Yeah, because there's, there's two sides to the spectrum, right? Like there's your super small businesses that have super tight budgets, right? They have to really focus in the beginning on what's my, what's my cost per acquisition on my first sale because I can't afford to be negative. Right. And I get that. That's the furthest end of, of, of the newbie, you know, new business perspective, right? And then you've got the, the really far end of the other side of it which is where you'll have like a, like a venture capital company come in and they'll back a company and I'll just use an example, right? They'll back a company like Uber and they'll go raise $250 million and they know we're going to lose money for 10 years. Okay. Baked, baked if, into the, baked into the formula, right? It's baked into the formula. If you go and look at Uber, Uber still never made money. It's amazing. Huh? I don't even know when it's projected to make money. It's amazing. Right. And but they are not looking at it like from a profitability model standpoint, they're looking at it from, um, you know, a, an exit valuation or, you know, they're like, okay, well, 
I put in 200 million and if we sell this to somebody else, you know, it's going to sell for a billion or 2 billion. Yeah, or they're looking billion. to make, they're looking to hit the home run 10 years down the road. Not now. Yeah. They're willing to just invest in, but that's money not how the real world years. works. Well, it's two very far ends of the spectrum, right? The first is like the newbie who's like, I, I need to put in $1 and I need to make two every single time, you know, and all they're focused on is cost per acquisition. And then the further way on the other side is I can lose money for 10 years because I'm playing, you know, a bigger picture game where we're going to go public and we're, you know, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Most businesses are somewhere in the middle, right? And if you're in the middle, the, these things that we're talking about are an absolute necessity for you to be successful in your business. So today we're talking about lifetime value, right? Now this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me whether you sell shelves or financial services or roofs that you put on a house. Doesn't matter to me. These are all applicable to any industry. So if in your head you're thinking, oh, well, it's just for X, Y, Z, stop. It's for you. It's for everybody. Okay. So now that you understand what lifetime value is, the total average amount of money that is spent by a customer across all of the sales that you've ever made. So you're taking your total gross revenue and you're dividing it by your individual amount of customers and you have that new amount. Now your goal is to keep increasing it, increasing and increasing it. Because you got to think, if your cost per acquisition stays the same, but your lifetime value is going up, that's all pure profit. So it's a really, really important variable. So there's five things that you can do to increase. These are the five we're going to talk about. There's more than five. We're just going to talk about core five, right? Number one is when you're initially acquiring the customer, right? Whether that be from a TV ad, whether that be from a digital ad, whether it's a, a, a direct response piece, a mailer, a newspaper, I don't care what it is, right? Is increasing the average order value of that initial purchase, right? So we'll give an example. Um, you watch infomercials, right? You buy a product, they're like, hey, if you want to add the second one, you can add the second one for just $9.95, right? The amount of additional revenue that comes from just adding that $9.95 is astronomical. In fact, across all of our clients, Andrew, we, we, we put stuff in place called an order bump. So as someone's checking out, we say, hey, would you also like to add this thing to complement your order for $9.95? It's the Amazon effect right there. Exactly. Amazon yep. does a phenomenal job at this. 45% on average of the people that we put this on their stuff will take that 995. They're already there. They're already buying. We don't have to spend any more money to acquire the customer. We just add that one thing and all of a sudden we've increased the average order value by about five bucks because 45% of people are taking that one click 995. Mm -hmm. there's, right? nothing you, there's nothing you would ever buy on TV and there's nothing you'll ever buy at Amazon ever or any real e-commerce store in your life from here on out that knows what they're doing that won't offer you at least one to two other things when you check out right. that would complement the original thing you bought. If you struggle with that, you will never make money in business. That is, nope. a, that is a mathematical equation right now for you listening and watching, is if you're offended by people upselling you, then you will have a problem selling, right? If you right. have a problem you, being sold to, you will, you will suffer dramatically selling. We, so you gotta we, get over that hump of thinking like, oh, I don't think I could ever do that. I don't want to offer too many I, things. You're wrong, dead wrong. 
and you don't like economics. Right. So we're going to talk about two examples of this because I know you and I had a massive rant about this earlier this week. We market to one country right now where the culture, we won't name the country, we won't throw them under the bus. Mm. The culture keeps telling us they're offended that we're offering them more things, which in this case, the term is upsells, right? Which is, upsells which is or additional actually profits. a thing. It's not even more things. It's a thing. Yeah. So this, we're getting all this blowback from this one it's, country. because It's culturally, not all this. It's a tiny bit. Right. Culturally, it offends them. And Andrew's response was, screw them. Shut down the entire country. We're not marketing. We're not changing for one country. And that's actually, in my opinion, the right response, right? Don't change. Don't pander, or, don't pander to the lowest common denominator. Right. That, that's, a, that's a great term. Don't pander to the lowest common denominator, right? Because these are fundamental business things that need to be in place, right? And then uh, for those people that are like, I still don't understand what you're talking about. Like, give me a, give me an example in the real world. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. When you go to McDonald's and you order something, what's the first thing they ask you? Do you want fries with that? Correct. Or do you want to Coke with that? Would right. you like to supersize that? That was boom, boom, boom. back in the upsell, day. Upsell, upsell, upsell. Right? Why do they do that upsell? Because the cost for them to make fries and the cost for them to make soda is, is exponentially lower than the cost to make the burger. They're not in the business of selling burgers. They actually break even or lose money in burgers. They're in the business of selling French fries and soda where their margins are massive. When you go in and you say, I'll take a cheeseburger and a water from the fountain machine. <laughs> water. They hate you. Does anybody drink water that goes to McDonald's though? I, mean, I, don't, is that, I doubt it. Like, right? Like your but, main source of, of hydration if you even eat at McDonald's is most likely soda. It's Coca-Cola. H2O. Right. Can but we just clear just that in, piece up here, please? If you just walk in and you eat a cheeseburger, they lost on you. They hate you. Right? You have ruined their business model. But if you go in and you you upsize your meal, you get that supersized soda, that supersized soda costs them 15 cents to make and they sell it for $1.25, they're getting 10x return on their money there even though they, they broke even on the cheeseburger, right? right? So this is an example of, like, if you can't wrap your head around this, it happens in every single business. Oh, you bought a couch? Would you like the two-year warranty on the couch? Aaron, I bought two things on Amazon. Actually, I bought a couple things for the studio this week on Amazon. In both of the items I bought, one was like a booster, one was like a microphone, like something for audio, right? Sure. Both of them tried to upsell me a two-year warranty on the product on the way out. It's automatic. It's, it's insurance is what it is. Right. So insurance. the question is, if, if you're like trying to figure out how do I do this in my business? Well, think about insurance. Think about the insurance analogy. Can yeah. you insure, and don't think literally insurance, but use it as a metaphor, right? Can you insure something that you sold? So if you're right. selling physical products, is there a way for you to insure it or validate it further or add something to it that makes it better? That's what you want to be thinking about. Yeah. I mean, we used to add insured shipping to all oh, of our e-commerce. You e had your e-com business? Oh, we made an absolute fortune on insured shipping because the amount of times it didn't arrive in the proper conditioning or condition or on time was minuscule. Almost so never. we just figured out what yeah. the math of that was and what our conversion rates were and what we were charging for insurance. We'd have made a fortune. Well, how do you think multi-billion dollar life insurance companies operate? They operate exactly. on the fact that, that there won't be a lot of deaths and there'll be way more people paying us to 
they insure themselves against death and there will be people dying and us paying out. Sure. They it's know they're been mad. that way for 200, 300 years in insurance companies. I, you know, my insurance company that I have my stuff with right now has been around for 200 years. Obviously that business model works. Yeah. And guess what? You want to know, you want to see people who know their math. That's an industry where they know their math. They're talk running talk- algorithms, Aaron, after algorithm, after algorithm on life expectancy, premiums. Like when I talk to my insurance guy, he's always like, he's always tinkering, right? Yep. My policies are, you know, long-term, you know, dividend paying policies. He's always tinkering with the, how the plan works. So that, that's them as a company. You're right. They're always tinkering with the numbers because life expectancy changes, trends change. Right. Same with you. Trends change. Life expectancy of your lifetime value, life expectancy, life expectancy of your customer changes. They know what my lifetime value is. Yes, they They, do. They know what your lifetime should be on average as well. Granted, there's no, right? There's no catastrophe. They know their numbers, right? Like they, if, if all of a sudden they make some math mistakes Mm -hmm. and they have a rash of payouts, they have to make, they're bankrupt. But most big insurance companies have been around for a hundred years. Because they know their math. Hundreds of years, yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So upsells in the initial buying process is step one to increase your lifetime value, right? It's going to increase your initial average order value, but obviously, subsequently, it's going to increase your lifetime value. Right. Because it's it's a slot in in both charts, right? So the second one is the depth of your product line. Like, and a lot of people confuse this with like upsells in the initial buying process. Now this is later on, right? So had another conversation, I've been ranting all week, had another conversation with a client this week where I'm trying to get them to create another product that serves their customer's needs as an add-on to the current customer journey and user experience. And they said to me, I feel awkward after I just sold this and this to my customer to then offer them this. And I said, why? And they said, well, I feel like we're just selling, selling, selling to them. I said, okay, humans are driven by many things. One of the most important, if you go and listen to somebody like Tony Robbins is progress, right? Andrew, are you going to quit tomorrow? Cause you've made enough money. You're just going to go lay around and hang out on the beach now. No, is that, is that your I'll plan? find something else to do. And why is that? Because A, I like to be in something. I like to achieve things and I like to progress in things. That's how business owners and entrepreneurs are, right? It's humans. Achieve, progress, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're selling somebody something, they're always going to want the next thing. I don't care if that's them buying a Cadillac and they're thinking about the next Cadillac in five years. I don't care if that's a financial services program and now they're going to want life insurance, you know, cause they're in that financial education space. Right. I don't care if it's, they bought a t-shirt and now they want some shorts or some pants or a hat or the next fad trend of what they should look like. It doesn't matter to me what industry. And the thing is, is that once you've got somebody in your ecosystem and they're buying from you, What they're telling you is I already know, like, and trust you. I was willing to give you my money, especially if they bought from you more than once, right? What they want now is for you to understand what they want and offer them more stuff because they want to keep moving forward in 
achieving, progressing, customer journey, et cetera. If you don't offer them it to them, mm-hmm. now you have forced them to go look somewhere else and establish a new relationship with somebody else that they hope will serve their needs in the same way that you did with your experience, which now they're going to have to go and gamble because you were so selfish that you wouldn't find out what they wanted and offer it to them. Damn you. Damn you, shame on you, right? They already told you they like you. They already told you they wanna buy from you. They already told you they trust you and you allowed your weirdness inside your head that said, oh, I, I feel awkward and uncomfortable selling them more stuff to then force them back into the jungle to go find somebody else trustworthy and credible to go buy from because of your weirdness that you have around selling more it, stuff. It's definitely, it's a head thing, right? It's, it's, what, it's, it's thing. what Jim Rohn used to call stinking thinking, right? Yeah. You need to get past that. Listen, you're in business to make a profit. You're in business to create value. You're in business to create additional products and services. If you're going to be a one trick pony and offer one product and never have the intention of increasing lifetime value, it's going to be extremely unprofitable. You are in the business to sell and offer and promote. You're not in the business to sell one thing and then tap dance around not wanting to offend someone. That's not how you're ever going to grow or be significant or do anything significant. Well, and if it makes you feel any better psychologically, just substitute the word sell and serve. Right. Right? You're here to serve your customer base with what they want. And what they want is always evolving and changing and it's your responsibility to figure out what that is create another great product Mm -hmm. and serve them with it Mm -hmm. right so the rant i had this week was this person going off and i was like shut up you don't know what you're talking about go out and offer this to the people and see what happens and they made hundred fifty thousand dollars in sales in two days because the people were like yeah We've been wondering when you would offer that. We would love that. And he was like, oh, go figure. And I'm like, yeah, go figure. Right? That's great, I said, huh? now, you have, now you have to think about what's the next thing. Oh, I can't be offering something else. Right? So we're going to have the same conversation that we've just had again and again and again. That's your job is to serve your customers continuously. And by the way, forever. a couple, couple, a couple caveats, Aaron. So it doesn't mean you have to keep you have to have all of a sudden 12 products, 15 products, 20 products. What it means is you need to find a handful or so of the best ones for your business that you know can offer additional value to your customers. You might have two or three core products, but if you're a one and done, like I said before, a one trick pony and you begin and end, I hear this all the time. You know, people will come out with one low price product and they think they're going to go sell a thousand units a day and they do the math. It's almost like the, it's almost like the book math. Well, if I write a bestseller, and I make and I sell it for nineteen ninety five, and I make nine ninety five on it after paying the publishing and all that. And I go sell two million copies, and they just do that math. It's really just dumb math because almost nobody's going to get to those numbers, and nobody's going to live on those numbers by the front end only, right? Well, and the thing is, is that there's no purpose to do what you just said it, because in that book rare. you could be promoting your next book. In that book, you could be promoting a course that goes along with the book. In that book, you could be promoting a live event, right? Mm-hmm. In that book, you could be promoting you as a speaker. Look at look at Simon Sinek, you know, who we worked with 10 years ago, right? The guy did a speech and then he promoted his book 
And then he promoted his course. And then he promoted his live event yep, speaking. Spider web effect. And now he's charging a hundred thousand bucks a speech, you know, or whatever. And like the one thing always has to lead to the next thing it's, has to lead to the next. We call on the thing. show a lot the spider web effect, right? You have a couple Correct. things happening, three or four things happening that all feed each other, right? So the right. the best business authors you see don't write books and then they're done and they make money off royalties. They write books to sell consulting, or they do consulting to sell books. Or they 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 sell books and write books to get the credibility to be able to get the speaking gig. Like it all feeds each other. It's a spider web right. effect. And most businesses don't think most business owners don't think that way. Entrepreneurs well, think that way. Business owners tend not to think that way. Correct. And 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 so you're, for those of you that are like, uh, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know what product to create to sell. It's okay to feel well, that way. Don't let that stop. It is okay you. to, okay feel, to that feel that way. It's okay to not know right now, but it's not okay to stay not knowing right now. Correct. Because all you got to do is refer back to the first five freaking minutes of the show today where I said, ask them, email them, call them, survey them, mm -hmm. ask them what they want next. So if you don't have the answer, you're just being lazy. That's a fact. And not only that, you have social today. You can really interact with people more so than ever. It's so visible today on social to find out anything you want to find out. Like, of course, you know, as an example, Aaron, we're getting ready to put on our first annual conference for Pipeline Pro in 2022. And we're at the phase now where we're like, you know, how does that sound to this big community now in 20 countries and, you know, tens of thousands of users? Would you want to get to Miami, Florida to attend a Pipeline Pro conference in the new year? We're, we're doing that due diligence now to find out from the community and the customer base if that's something that makes sense to spend two, three, four days in a conference-like environment, which we've all been sort of away from that over the last year and a half or so, right? This hasn't been a... It hasn't been the most friendly live event environment over the last 15 months, but it's coming back. It's starting to turn it turn back and it's it's happening slowly, but it's happening. So, Agreed. so it's not hard to find out, I think is, is your point, right? It's not. It's very but easy. But you have to find right? out. You always have to be digging. You always have to be going be a little deeper. You always have to be going below the surface, I feel, with anything lately. Yeah. You got to go and below I think the surface. It, great business owners, great entrepreneurs, great thinkers, great researchers, they go below the surface. There's always the surface information, which is visible. And then there's the below the surface information, which is invisible. And usually, 99.9% .9 of the time, the answer is somewhere in the middle. It's between what you can see and what you can't see and somewhere in the middle, usually, I find. Yeah. And here's the thing. Here's a, here's a pro tip for today. Pro tip. Pro tip. Okay. If you heard what I was saying, you're going to go talk to your customers. Awesome. Awesome. That'll be a great first step. You know what's an additional great step? Talk to the people who didn't buy from you. Mm. Right? So all everyone goes, oh, I don't want to talk to them. They didn't buy from me. It's awkward. Right? Where do you think you would get better information on how to improve your product or your sales process than from people who didn't buy from what you? What held them back? What held right. them back? Right? Because people only only don't buy for two reasons. They either don't see the value or they don't trust you, right? So find out which one of those things it was. What a great way to improve your company, your product by talking to the people who said no. What about it, Didn't did, where did you not see the value? Mm -hmm. 
Or where did you, what caused you to not trust our company? And I'll give you a, a really great example right now. I have seen two businesses lately that have exactly the same product line and the exactly the same costs and exactly the same price points and whatever, right? One is crushing the other one, crushing. Same exact product? Pretty much, right? And I was looking at the two and going, what's the difference between the two, right? The difference between the two is one has an amazing organic visibility play. So when their customers are deciding whether or not they want to buy, there's tons of stuff about them when you Google them. Articles, social, content, everything. The other one, crickets. Really? So you mean from a social standpoint, mm -hmm. a publicity standpoint, mm -hmm. a visibility standpoint, right? They, they've, yeah. they've thought about that, which we've done shows on, by the way, the visibility piece, the social piece. Yep. Interesting. And so what's, so, so if it's, if it's a similar product and a similar outcome and a similar process and similar everything else, it's not the value that's the problem. It's the social proof. That's the issue. The credibility. It's the trust. Credibility, social proof, trust, all matters. All matters, all right? All matters. So now they have to go and they have to improve that because it's obviously the issue, right? right? Good point. So let's go into point number three is your follow-up. Right, and I'm gonna let you carry the majority of this because this is really like where you shine, right? There is so much money in people who say no the first time, second time, third time, fourth time, people who don't buy your first offer, second offer, third offer, people who get in and kind of toy around with your stuff. There's so much money. There's that old saying, the fortune is in the follow-up, yeah, right? Yeah, true. And the, there's so much money there that people just pay zero attention to. I think the, the, the laziness in follow, it's laziness today, Aaron. I see it all the time. I speak to people all the time because we're always having conversations about software and backend and all this. And it's, it's laziness. It's, are you willing to have an email campaign that goes out 30 days even? Maybe you send two emails a week for four weeks. What is that? Eight emails over 30 days. Can you go sit down and write that follow-up piece for the people that don't buy? And then maybe another one for the ones that do buy. Can you sit down and figure out, I was actually working on some campaigns this week and I started on a Google Doc. And I said, okay, what do yeah. I want this journey to look like and how do I want to segment it along the way? Who's doing it for us, right? And so many business owners don't do that today because they get too busy or they get hung up on the tech. But really, it's not about being busy and it's not about tech. It's about thinking about, what do you want this journey to look like follow-up wise? Because once you nail it, it's automated. So in my example, if you said, I want to have two emails go out a week for 30 days straight, and that's even small, right? To all of Super the people small. that didn't buy from me, and I want to go back to them with more value, more social proof, more testimonials, another offer, maybe a discount, maybe a, hey, one more chance, maybe a give us another shot. I mean, eight emails stationed out over 30 days to a week you would change your whole entire business if you were thoughtful enough to even do that. Maybe you throw a couple texts in the mix. Heck, maybe you even throw a phone call in the mix from somebody on your team as well. Think about that 30-day process of people that didn't buy. Just, again, you could. I know people that go out six months or a year. But if you said, okay, I'm going to map out 30 days of multimedia follow-up, email, text, voice, phone calls, whatever, and we're going we're gonna to lay it out in some sort of a mind map, some sort of a workflow, and see how it would look and implement it, you'd be blown away at how many people come off the fence. That's the follow-up piece that so few do. 
I would bet if we dissected 10 businesses randomly off the street today, Aaron, I'd be shocked if one said, we have a 30-day follow-up campaign for all the people that don't buy from us to try to get them to come back and buy from us. I bet there'd be one out of 10, and there might even be zero out of 10, and that's a little scary. Yeah, and we're talking about setting this up for multiple stages of the customer journey, yep. right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I gave you my information, I didn't buy. I bought something, I didn't buy the second thing. I bought the second thing, I didn't buy the third thing. There's multiple layers of follow-up. Right. I'll give you two things that, that blew my mind in the last week. One was a study you and I looked at, looked at that um, in the software space, if, if you were looking to set up um, a strategy session to onboard a client and then potentially upsell them into support services or whatever that, you know, the product line was, if you called within the first five minutes compared to Anywhere after two hours in that day, the sales conversion went up 10,000%. 10,000%, right? Now, that number is insane. So then what does that tell you? Well, you have to put, you gotta follow the math. Mm. You gotta put that process in place. Does it take work? Does it take an investment of people capital, financial capital? Yeah, it takes all those things. But it's 10,000%. And the good news is once you put a lot of this in place, it's, it's set it and forget it. You monitor it, but you don't have to keep doing it and changing it. That's Correct. the key. And that's the follow-up piece. Right? So that, that one example just like just blew my mind. Agreed. Right? Yeah. Agreed. The, the other example I looked at was we, we just had somebody we're, we're working with where their sales team – this <laughs> cracks me up. They were making one – call to people in the dental space who said, I want to have somebody call me about a $10,000 service, mm -hmm. implants, veneers, marketing to the elite of the elite, people who know this costs a huge amount of money. We were generating leads and the sales team was making a call to them. And I, I was consulting, because we run the media for this company, so I was consulting the owners and I was like, do you know how insane that is? So you're telling me someone who's saying, I wanna spend $10,000 gets the privilege of a phone call, right? Like, that should be five emails, five texts, Seven calls. Too. It should be manual phone calls with the automation to follow it up, even direct mail landing on their table, right? Sure. That's the multimedia follow-up that changes the game for business owners that most are too busy to do. Can you imagine being too busy to want to amp up your back-end sales, Aaron? Too busy. Too busy. Too busy. Right? And this was, the crazy thing is, this was a outside sales team. Yeah, well, that's, they that, were, there's no excuse there. That's just, that's just negligence people. right there, man. Paying them. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you need to fire them. Listen, this right? is why people need outside consultants and coaches to see what they can't see. A lot of times they don't see it. They're in the business, they're running the day-to-day. -day. It's not a bad thing. You don't see it, but just don't let it stay that way. Insane. Pure insane. Anyways. So let's go into number four, okay. which is, is basically going to kind of overlap a little bit with number five, which is your retention. Right? Reten number four is retention. Number five is product and user experience. They kind of They kind of play hand in hand. Well, the, right? the experience leads to the retention, right? Correct, right? So how long 
you keep people in your community, in your in a buying journey, using your product, talking about your product, you know, it's so important is what you're trying to say. Keeping them engaged, right? It's, it's so crazy how many people and businesses just look at their gross sales. They don't look about, they don't look at their retention. They don't look at their lifetime value. They don't look at their experience with their customer. So I'll give you a great example. And you, you may remember this because we were down in Texas. I don't know if you went there with me. There's a, um, there's a Cadillac dealership in San Antonio that's the number one Cadillac dealership in either Texas or America. I can't remember which one it is. When you buy a Cadillac there, they give you free car washes for life. Anytime you want. Anytime you Just want. Roll as long in as and get a car wash if you bought. You still own the Cadillac. As long as you still own the same Cadillac, right? Yeah. So you buy this new Cadillac, you come in on the weekend, they've got a lounge set up for you coffee, food, sports are playing, people are taking care of you, cars getting detailed for free, right? What most businesses would say is, oh, that sounds like a lot of expense. I've got a buddy that's bought nine Cadillacs from that place because he's now in the dealership, right? So he's in the dealership, he's watching the basketball game. What does the sales manager do? Roll up, what's up, John? How you doing? How's the wife? How's kids? Oh, they're amazing. Blah, blah, blah. How's the ride? The ride is great. Have you seen the new ride coming out? The new ride with all the extra features and blah, blah. Well, I hadn't seen the new ride. You want me to go show you the new ride? I would love to show the new ride. Boom. The guy's walking out with a new Cadillac because he came to get a car wash. Common. Right? Yeah. They've set, they've created that environment. I love it. They're creating they've that created environment. A buying environment, but they've also created a feel good environment. We talked about they've Starbucks. Feel good environment. We talked about Starbucks create- being the third place last week. Remember? Yes. Yeah. Now you should talk about that yeah. because- we're talking about, you start thinking, so how the hell did they get a $30,000 lifetime value on their customer? And you told me this concept, which I was unaware of, where they created the experience. I would love if you would share that. Yeah, well, the, the Starbucks thing is, it's coffee. The coffee's good. People don't love it, but it's good. Some love it, some don't. Um, it's okay. There's plenty of coffee places, but what they wanted to set out for was not to be a coffee shop. They wanted to be known as the third place. So what is the, what is the first place? Home. Second place, yeah. office. Third place, Starbucks. So they right. coined themselves early on as we want to be the third place. We want to be a third place business and we want to be considered the third place in your life. Can you imagine that concept? That's a coffee shop. That's Starbucks. That's why Starbucks is the biggest coffee brand in the world because they went beyond coffee and they wanted to create the third place in the life of you and I. And they did it for so many every, and still do. Everything that they did was supporting that brand identity of the third place. Right. They're always beautiful. They're always yeah, clean. well designed, clean, exactly. Well designed, always playing calming music, yep. always really strong, free Wi-Fi. You feel good about yourself being in a Starbucks, right? You can sit in Starbucks for four hours on your computer and drink one coffee. Not a, you will never feel awkward for one second. Yep, agreed, agreed. Because they want you to look at that as the third place, and as a result, they're not getting one coffee twice a week. Some people are going in there every single day. Some people go in there twice a day. There's one across, as you know, you stayed in the hotel across the street from the office here. Yeah. Downstairs. I mean, there's people in there three times a day like it's meals. Right? Absolutely. Genius. And you know what the margins are on coffee? Oh, God, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's five or six dollars for a, 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 a latte of some sort. Really, it's just coffee and milk and a little bit of whatever else goes in it. Cost them 30 cents, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. Under a dollar to make six. It's your six to one return all day long, right? Oh, it's like 10 to 12. Yep. It's insane. 
So anyways, right? so we're, we're getting so close to the top of the hour, right? Look at your process. Like first, find out what your lifetime value is. If that's the only thing you do today is you go and you find out what your actual lifetime value is so you know what your starting point is, congratulations, good for you, right? Then start to put these things in place. Upsells when people are ordering. Depth in your product line. Find out what people want. Serve them what they want. Give them more what they want. Sell them more what they want. Look at your follow-up processes. Look at where you could put that in and then automate, right? Look at your customer experience, right? How you can retain them longer. How your product makes them feel. That user experience with your product. Where are the holes? Ask your customers. What else would you like to see? What could we do better, right? Put those things in place. And watch what happens to that lifetime value number. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. But if it's steadily increasing month after month after month, you're winning. Here's the thing I'll leave off with. When you do this now, you get excited, enthusiastic to spend money to grow the business. It's Correct. really difficult to get enthusiastic to invest money in the business. You think about it, you think about it as spending, but it's investing. It gets really fun to invest in the business, buy media, invest in media, buy traffic, scale up traffic because you know the numbers. When you don't know this and you don't know your lifetime value and you don't take the time to do the math, every economic decision you come to make, you're like, ah, can we do it? Can we afford it? Can we not? You hear that a lot, right? Well, I'm not sure if it's in our budget. You're not sure about anything because you don't know your numbers. When you know your numbers, you know exactly if it's in your budget. You know if you can do it and you know if you should do it. But if you don't know your numbers and you don't know your customer lifetime value, it's really difficult to make any strategic economic decisions to grow and scale the business. That's why this is so important because it frees you. It liberates you to make good decisions. Absolutely. Let's wrap it there. Let's wrap it there, Aaron. Good one today. Appreciate you. Hey, we should have a, a, a version of the show called, um, you know, Aaron's Rants. So like we get Aaron it, loses his we, mind because, you know, so Aaron's like a really he's like he's a very patient guy. I'm not a patient guy. That's, you know, we're like a yin yang here. Right. So like when he when he loses it and he kind of goes on his ransom, like we stop, we need to capture this because it almost never happens. So we should have like we should have like like carve out. It's like our sales prevention department. We should have like an Aaron's rants because, man, it doesn't happen much, but it sure is entertaining. You got fired up. I love it. Anyways, well, we'll see you guys on the next episode of Sales Velocity TV. All shows can be looked at and viewed over at salesvelocitytv.com. This one will be up probably uh, in, in a couple days. And of course, on the podcast platforms, wherever you like to listen, listen on the go as well. We'll see you in the next episode. That's Aaron. I'm Andrew. See you soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.